Today is our Pledge Sunday. You might have one of these under your seat. Hopefully you do um, a pledge form that we're going to be filling in at the end so you don't have to get too acquainted with this. And if you don't have one, the welcome team will be able to come and um, give you one right, right towards the end. And you might be thinking, what is a pledge? Uh, like I've heard of an offering maybe. What is a pledge? And this year we're not taking up an offering like we did last year of kind of asking you to give towards specific things, um, but more just talking about our regular giving that we believe should be kind of a part of the pattern of everyday living as Christians. Um, and a pledge is just really an indication of how much you plan to give um, kind of over the next year, but really like where you're at now, what, what would giving look like for you? I think gifting is, giving sorry, is often something that we uh, forget about or we can kind of conveniently ignore and so just we have a bit of a focus like these Sundays to um, have this shared moment as a family to think about maybe you've been praying about it in the build-up um, to these few few Sundays that we're going to have where we'll have an opportunity to pledge um, just as a kind of like this is a shared moment as a family it's not a thing that we all do separately although it kind of is but we want to have this moment of we're doing it together thinking about it pledging what we're going to give and so we're going to have a focus on it this week we'll have a moment at the end to fill in the forms, collect them up, pray, etc. But they, these will be available over the next couple of Sundays at the back to be able to fill in as well and online for anybody that's not here or if you just want a bit of time to think about it. So I'll give more information about that at the end and how to fill in the form, all of that sort of stuff. At the, uh, but that's where we're going to be headed. That's where we're landing. So just to signpost that. But giving is something that I think we don't always get right. Um, just to share my own personal first experience of giving, I was about 16 or 17 years old. I was at a youth camp, Christian youth camp, of about 60, six or 7,000 um, other young Christians of a similar age. And every, I'd been going for about sort of seven or eight years. And every year at the end, they did an offering. And I'd never been part of it, um, but I kind of had my own bank account at this stage. And I was like, right, I want to be involved in the offering. And had a great week, was loving Jesus. Just like, yeah, I want to get in on this. They handed out the forms to fill in at the end on that final night. And I filled mine in. And I was like, I'm going to give something big, like big for me as a 16 or 17 year old. And I was like, filled it in, like ran to the front, dropped it in the bucket. I was like, Jesus, I love you. I'm so for you. And loved the week. But then when I came back and was at home and they sent some kind of reminder of like, oh, please, could you actually, you know, fulfill that pledge that you've made? I felt very different about the offering that I had made. <laughs> and suddenly I found myself just thinking, you know, during the event with all the lights and the crowd and the worship music and like the buzz, I was like, yeah, all I want to do is give to you, Jesus. Cold heart, light of day. Cold heart, light of day. I was just like, I came up with all kinds of excuse within me of like why I shouldn't give why actually probably I didn't need to give. And then it actually started to believe, like, God probably doesn't want me to give. Like, I probably just got carried away in the moment. What is real wisdom in this situation is not giving. And so I managed to just kind of conveniently forget to give. And it's not, certainly not my proudest moment. But just to illustrate, giving is hard. Like, there's always this kind of, oh, well, often, this internal conflict where we struggle between, like, I really want to give, but also I'm really, like, not sure about it. It's a challenge for us. But I want to show us this morning how giving is not just something that we should do occasionally, but really it should be part of our normal, ongoing walk with Jesus and what it looks like for us to be disciples following him. A few weeks ago, I shared at our Vision Sunday as a church that we're having a focus this year on being a priesthood as a family, this idea that God calls each of us individually among his people to be priests and to have this role of dignity and honor among his people, a role where each of us equally are needed by him, like we're vital 
Each of us have a part to play in his family that is as important and as equally needed as anybody else that we can point to or look to. And I think with giving, it's so easy to think, well, that's not true. There's someone over here giving 200 pounds, someone over here giving five pounds. Surely it is very obvious that one is more valuable than the other. But what I want to look at today is the idea that actually, no, whoever we are, however much money we have in the bank, however much we can give, all of us have something that is of abundant worth in God's kingdom to be able to give as equally valuable to God. And so we're going to look in Mark chapter 12, if you've got a Bible, an event in Jesus' life, just a few verses from verse 41. Um, So if you've got a Bible, do turn there, Mark chapter 12. If you haven't, be on the screens behind me. And he, this is Jesus, and Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Now these verses, this moment, is in some of Jesus' final days on earth. He has just entered into Jerusalem, and he is in Jerusalem for the final time. And he knows he has entered into Jerusalem to be, at some point soon, arrested and put to death. So his days are numbered, and he knows his days are numbered. He knows the kind of like circling around him, what do we find Jesus doing in this moment of real peril for him? People watching. He's just sat, verse 41, just sat down watching the people. Just watching them all doing their thing. Have like you ever done that at a coffee shop? Just like, I'm just going to sit here and just see what people do. That's what Jesus is doing. He knows these men are just out for his blood, that they're coming for him, that what's around the corner for him is like brutal torture, humiliating death. And yet he's just sat perfectly still, at peace. Death is looming. I just think, not really connected to what I'm going to be saying, but just like this is what a picture of a man who knows death is not the end, that what he's about to face is not the end of the story, that he has nothing to fear. But as he sits here in peace, it is in complete contrast to all that is going on around him. The frantic movement of people coming in and out of the temple that he sat outside of. The, uh, the ESV that I read from not so, doesn't get it quite so much because it talks about he watched the people putting money in the offering boxes. But the NIV gets it a little bit more of the crowds coming and, uh, and putting money in the offering box. But even that, I think, is just a little bit of an understatement. Underplays it a little bit. This would have been manic. This was around Passover. And Passover, if you're not familiar with what it would have been like in Jerusalem, it's basically like FA Cup final day in the Jerusalem calendar. Like, you think of all the fans like descending on Wembley Way, streets absolutely packed out. It's something of that in Jerusalem at this time. Or maybe like the Trafford Center a couple of weeks before Christmas, and you're like, you go in and you barely can move, and it's just like you're regretting all of your life decisions. Like, why did I come here? You're getting battered by like Selfridges bags left, right, and center. It's something of that going on in Jerusalem. Some of the estimates would say that in in the city, which would normally be around like 100,000, 200,000 people population, there is 2 million people from across the region just piling in. All of them coming to celebrate the Passover, making this pilgrimage to this center point in the city, the temple. 
scores of people. And as they come, they all arrive, and as we read, to give to the temple. Now, this was just like standard operating procedure at the time. Everybody came to give to the temple. They all, like, giving to the temple was kind of normal life in the same way that you might have expected. Like, some churches, there's a, an offering that goes around. Um, it's pretty standard for them. And they were only in Jerusalem, so many of them, just once a year. And so they would come and put in their money. Most people would be coming to give. And what is clear in what we're seeing is that a lot of this crowd were absolutely loaded. In this procession, we read, verse 41, many rich people were coming. Many rich people were coming and giving and putting in large sums of money in the box. Now here, I think we're meant to bring a little bit of our understanding from the previous few verses into what we're reading here. Because in the few verses before, what Jesus is doing is he's giving the scribes, so these bunch of kind of highly, um, high-profile, high wealthy Jewish leaders at the time, he's giving them a bit of a ticking off about their showy displays of religion, their overlong prayers that are clearly just an opportunity to try and get some attention on themselves, or sitting in the best seats in the synagogue so that all eyes would be on them. It's kind of religion as a performance to try and get some notoriety among people. And I think we're meant to see the gifts that the rich people are giving here in exactly the same light. There's just a bit of theater going on as they are giving. The way that they would, uh, they would give at the moment, the offering boxes that we read of here, they would have been these large metal trumpet kind of shaped things that people could give their money into. And so they were made of metal, and the coins that you would give your offering in would also be metal. And so the sound of giving your money would be metal upon metal. And so when you give, it kind of makes this kind of clank, clank sound as your money goes in. And so, of course, the larger your gift, the more coins, the larger the kind of clank, clank, clank as it goes in. The louder there's a bit of an announcement going on as you're giving. Like, somebody is giving a big gift here. And I think, again, just from like, the context and what we know going on here, I wouldn't be surprised. Probably it's a bit of a stretch, but who knows? Maybe they just like, strategically change their gift into a slightly smaller denomination just for like, added effect as they pour their money into the offering. And this is the scene that we have in verse 41, that we have this packed crowd, so many people, and there's this abundant wealth of these many rich people, and there's just a like, clang, 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 as all the money gets poured in by all of these rich people, people showing off their wealth and their religion. And then we have verse 42. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny into this melee of people and noise, it focuses in on just one person, a poor widow. She's not coming with a kind of wheelbarrow full of coins. We read she has just two in her hands. Two coins, these lowest value coins that were available at the time. Two, what's called lepta. I think we've got a photo of what they look like just to kind of bring us into the picture. These two tiny coins hardly making any space even on your hands. That's all she's got. You get one of these coins for just six minutes of work. In any context, these are essentially nothing. And next to then these huge sums just been poured in, it's like these things are nothing. They're no consequence whatsoever. 
And yet as Jesus watches on and sees all of these gifts being poured into these metal trumpet offering boxes, what is it that is grabbing his attention? He is not moved at all by the immense sound of the clack, 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 of all the money falling in, but simply just the sound of the little tink, tink of the widow's gift. As he sees that, Jesus stops just sitting and watching. Immediately we see verse 43, he called the disciples to him. He's like, I don't want you to miss this. I need you to see this. I need you to be witness to what is going on. And we know that these days in Jesus' life, these were vital days for him. We know from looking at John's gospel and all the teaching that we find there in these moments in Jesus' life, that these last days for him, these were essential in helping his disciples see, this is what living for me looks like. This is what the kingdom life I want you to live is really about as he starts to prepare them for life without him around. And he's saying, of all of this crowd, of all of these people coming, look at her. Look at her giving, what she's doing. And there's a few things going on here, but I want to start with just a very simple observation. You might think this is basic preaching. Jesus loves giving. He loves it. In these one of these last moments that he has on earth with his disciples to form them and shape them, saying, this is what I want you to be, he just highlights this one woman. And what's she doing? Giving away her money. It's like, be like her and what she's doing. As I illustrated at the beginning, we are very good at convincing ourselves it's not for us, giving. We're very good at finding a good excuse and just thinking, oh, there's a reason why in this moment, or you know, because we're Christians, we're like, in this season, you know, it's not good for me to be giving. Like, I just don't think God's leading me to that right now. We're so good at coming up with all sorts of excuses and thinking, perhaps even just thinking, I, I don't actually think really that Jesus does put that much emphasis on giving, actually, and I don't think God finds it that important, not in my life. But Jesus is consistent in his message that the life of following him includes us giving money away. He says it in Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. He says, when you give. Notice that is not if you give, or if you know, feel in the, the prompting of the Spirit in order to give, he's just like, no, when you give. He just assumes it. A bit later on in the same sermon, he says, do not lay up for yourself treasure on earth. So don't hoard your wealth. When Paul quotes Jesus in Acts chapter 20, he says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. The rich young ruler, who's an account we meet in three of the four Gospels, he says to, to this man, sell all that you have and give it to the poor. When Zacchaeus meets Jesus, he says to, to Jesus, I, half of what I have, I am going to give it to the poor. And Jesus loves it. Jesus loves it when we give to the poor, and he loves it when we give to the church, is essentially what the widow's doing here. Jesus didn't actually teach that many ongoing, regular rhythms and habits that he wanted his people to walk in. But giving, he did. He loves to see his people give their money. And he loves to see this widow give. As she comes into the scene, she is a complete contrast to everything else we see. We see crowds of important, wealthy people quite literally like chucking money around, like ostentatious displays of wealth. And she appears, and it's just one person. She is poor, she's a woman, and she's a widow. 
It's like a perfect trinity of worthlessness at the time. She was a woman, so in this culture, considered to be a second-class citizen to pretty much all men, sidelined, neglected, often abused. She was poor. Poor people had no standing, no leverage whatsoever in society, and she was a widow. I mean, this is pretty much the most perilous and vulnerable position you can find yourself in. No income, totally reliant on everybody else and other people's charity for you to exist. That's very dangerous to be a widow at this time. The whole thing is set up for us to think, this woman is vanishingly insignificant. Her gift is like, almost embarrassingly small. You just think, like, surely just don't bother giving it. Like, to keep it for yourself. There's no need for you to give. But her and her action is the only thing in this whole scene that Jesus is interested in at all. This is, this is vintage Jesus. Just like all of the action seems to be happening over in this space over here. All of the buzz, all of the crowds, all of the party, all of the money, all of the, all of the stuff that would draw us in is all happening over here. Jesus is right over here. On the margins. With the neglected, with the overlooked, with the one. The one that everyone else, that everybody else would see as insignificant. The one who you look at and you think, she's got nothing to offer. Jesus is with her. As he draws his disciples to him in verse 43, he says, Truly I say to you. Now this is Jesus speak for, you really better pay attention here. Now, as a general rule, I think, pretty much listen to everything that Jesus has to say. But it's interesting, even he has this kind of phrase that he uses of like, no, no, I really want to make sure that you remember this. And he says, this poor widow has put in more than all those who contributed to the offering box. This poor widow has put in more than all of those who have contributed into the offering box. That is a ridiculous statement in case you're wondering. You, she has put in more. I mean, as the temple coffers are absolutely heaving with all of these enormous Passover gifts just being poured in, and the treasurer of the temple is just there, like absolutely rubbing his hands with glee. He's like, look at what is happening. Look how much money is coming in. He's probably like, as the clack, 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 clack sound goes on, he's probably like doing a little jig like to the music of it. He's like, this is just brilliant. And like the worship passes over there. He's all Already mentally ordering the 25-piece drum kit that he's going to get as a result of it. The visuals team are like thinking, we are going to get a 7 million inch TV. Like, it is all happening. You look on this scene and you think there is only one set of people here greasing the wheels of the temple, really making God's mission happen, advancing his plans. All of these high net worth individuals, they are the ones doing the stuff. It is abundantly clear to everybody looking on where the value is coming from. What is of true worth here except one person Jesus says you can take all of that all that has been given put it together tot it all up whatever that number is she has given more she has given more notice those words he's not saying I am more pleased with her He's not saying, 
her approach was a little bit more holy than the rest of them. He's not saying, oh, she's got a better character, although I'm sure he would say all of those things about her. But he says her gift is straight up more than them. It's a greater gift. It's a bigger gift. Its impact in the way that Jesus sees things is greater than all of that money going in. In the kingdom that he has come to bring about, their gift is more. Her gift is more. I think we are living in a time where our own individual confidence in the value that each of us has to bring to the things of God and building his kingdom, I think it is a pretty low point. We are talking wider here than just our money, but I think there's just this more general sense that each of us and what we have to bring and what we have to offer to God is not a valuable contribution to him that what we have to offer is not good enough. A bit like this widow coming in where she would see all of these rich people offering and pouring in their gifts. They're powerful people. And she'd think they are giving so much more. I think it's the same for us with that kind of instant access that we have now to seeing every, just about every individual in the whole planet on social media. We're able to see other people and compare ourselves to them and think, well, look at what I've got in my hands. Just like a couple of coins. And we compare ourselves to the the rich people over there, the many rich people. And we think, it seems like they've got so much more to offer than just me. We compare our own output, our skills, our gifting, our wealth, our charisma. And we think, what I have to bring is just so vanishingly small. Is there any point? You know, sometimes I listen to a sermon from a world-famous preacher. And in my worst moments, I can think, I can't compare to that. I've got nothing to bring. I can see the value that they bring. I can see what they're kind of pouring out and is is really good. And surely God's going to use that. I just don't measure up. And maybe let's just play the audio from their sermon on a Sunday instead. In an age of comparison, I'm sure we'd all have our own example. It's just so easy to feel inadequate. Nothing that I have to bring really is of any value to God. And yet here Jesus says, our contribution is worth more. In the kingdom, what we have to bring, whether it's our serving, whether it's our gifting that, we, that God has given us, whether it's the money that we have to offer, it is worth more than its outward appearance. It's worth more than the value it might take up on a spreadsheet. It's worth more than the impact that we are able to measure, the impact that we are able to see. It goes so much more. It looks so obvious when we look on this scene who the power players are, who are the people of value, who are contributing truly into God's plans. Yet where Jesus is seeing the value, the true life of his kingdom breaking out here, it's in the widow. This is who he is choosing. This is the one who seems to have nothing at all, and she is the one that he is elevating, as we've been sort of talking about in Vision Sunday, to be a priest in his kingdom, clothed with dignity, honored in front of everybody, the one making the difference, The one doing the stuff, the one ruling and reigning with him is the widow. And as he goes on, he shows what this true value looks like. In verse 44, he says, For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Jesus is saying that they may have given a lot, but she gave everything. 
just so you know, where we are going with this sermon is not, if you really love Jesus, time to empty out that bank account. I mean, look what she did. That's what it's all about. That is not what Jesus is saying here. He is just simply marveling at this woman. He's saying, look at what, like she had so little, hardly anything, and yet freely, willingly, she just gave it all. They all gave out of their abundance. Now, he really wants to emphasize that point of her giving it all. He says, she put in everything she had, all she had to live on. As these other men, they're giving out of their abundance what they've got to spare. It's not really costly for them, they're giving, however big the number might be. And honestly, I don't think Jesus is wanting to slam on these men too much. I think he'd say that all giving is good, but I think he's just using this contrast of these men next to this woman to honor this widow. Just be like, look what she has done. She, he knows just how costly, how sacrificial her gift is. Despite there being absolutely no expectation that she would give. Again, she's poor. She's a woman. She's a widow. She is, in this company, worthless compared to these rich men. And so no one's looking at her. No eyes are on her. No attention is on her. There's no opportunity for glory to be got here for her. No opportunity for her to be seen by others and for other people to be impressed with what she does because nobody's looking at her. She stands to gain nothing from giving these two coins. And yet she comes. And she just lays it down. She says, God, I want you to have all of it. I love that she has two coins. She ain't got much, but she's got two of them. You think all reason, all rationality, and all logic is just screaming, well, give one of them to God and keep one for yourself. Like, you want to be generous, you want to like, be abundant, you want to show God that you're for Like, great. Give one of them and then like loaf of bread or whatever with the other, surely. Or like, again, no eyes on her. She could easily get away with, I'll just keep two for myself and none for God. Just, just this moment. I want to see. But she comes, and she's like, no, two for God, all for God. I'm going to pour myself out. I want him to have it. She comes in such beautiful humility, not moved by social pressure, not coerced by anyone, not looking to impress anybody, just simple adoration for God. Like, God, I just want you to have this. This is what Jesus wants his disciples to see in action, just this humble act of heart devotion to God, expressed in her laying down her money for him. This kind of giving is right at the heart of discipleship to Jesus. Giving as an act of devotion. Giving not because we feel like, oh, it feels like maybe the right thing that I should do, or there's some eyes on us, I feel like, oh, I feel a bit of pressure to do it. Or, you know, we're in church. You know, you have to give in church, don't you? It's just that kind of like awkward offering bit. Of course you've got to give. No, this is giving because our hearts have been moved by God. This has to be the starting place of all Christian giving. Has to be. That we have been moved by God. That we've seen him. We've got a taste of who he is. And so we just want to give. The only reason for us to give. The only reason for us to fill in a pledge form in a moment. And I really mean this. The only reason is because we are able to say, I have been in some way moved by God. 
I have seen just how good he is. I've tasted some of his grace in my life. I've started to grasp some of the wonderful life-altering implications of being invited into his kingdom. I've been given a glimpse of his glory and his worth and his value. I have tasted the goodness of his, his mercy and his, his, his kindness and his works in my life. I know I was lost but he came and found me. He got hold of me. He saved me. I was dead and now he's brought me to life. He's made me alive so that each and every day I can experience, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, the immeasurable riches of his grace that we have seen, that we have known, that before we even give a penny, we know As a gift, he has made us immeasurably rich in Christ. That's the only reason we give, is if we know this to be true for ourselves. This is where we start. Step one of giving is always, well, it's never, right, everybody, open up your wallets. Step one of giving is always just receive. Just receive these immeasurable riches of his grace poured out towards us in Christ Jesus. Just see what he has done for you. Enjoy what he has given. Celebrate just how rich you are in Christ. Just allow all of that to soak into your soul. How you have become, you you see yourself as he sees you, rich in him. Before you even think about giving a penny, allow yourself to come to terms with that, to believe that to be true for yourself. Because as we do, as we experience and know this gospel at work in our lives, we'll just think, of course I want to give. And it will always be a mix. It'll always be a mix of like, of course, I just want to give everything Jesus, and I don't want to give at all. We'll always have that conflict to an extent, but we've just got this pull in our life of I've known enough of him. I've seen who he is. I've seen what he's done for me. I just want to respond with every part of my life, and that includes giving some of my money. That, Like this widow, we're just like, I want to give it all to him. And what I love is that Jesus could not care less about the actual number that is given, the amount, the pound amount that comes in totally unbothered about trying to line the the kitty of the temple and make sure that there's enough. He doesn't point in this story at all to the rich young men and say to his disciples, oh, make sure you preach the gospel to them. Let's try and get them giving. Let's make sure we get in on that action. Doesn't point to them at all. In fact, of all of the vast crowds, everybody involved in this scene, he finds the one who is giving the least and says, her. He's just wanting the disciples to see it is not about the amount that we are able to give. But in our giving, he values just one and only one thing, how much it costs us, what it means to us to give. He knows for this widow just how costly this, is, this gift is. She put in all she had to live on. He knows what she's giving up. He knows her sacrifice. And it is this that he honors. It's this that he adores. Like, look what she is giving up. And he raises her up and celebrates her. I know there's going to be a lot of people in this room today where you think, there is just no way that I can give much at all. Maybe you're a student, you're a single parent, struggling to find work, just for loads of reasons where you're just like, I just really do not have much. Like, maybe I could give like 10 pounds. 
or five pounds. Or like, like, I might be able to give like two pounds, and that is really costly for me, and that's everything that I can put in, and it just feels so inadequate. Like, what can God really do with two pounds? Is it really worth me like filling in a pledge form for two pounds? But it's this kind of giving that Jesus honors and loves. We are slap bang in the middle of a cost of living crisis. Cost of food is going up each day. Energy prices are spiraling like mad. Wages aren't keeping up with inflation. Our wallets are squeezed more than ever. I think this is the worst time for a giving message. Thank you very much, Duncan. But here's the really good news. Our giving is not measured in the kingdom by the number that we're able to give or the value of our gift. It's just not about how big that figure is when you fill in your pledge form. It's really not. You might be feeling uneasy and because your circumstances have changed and you think, the number that I'm going to write down is less than what I have currently been giving and it feels like a lesser gift. It feels like I'm taking a backward step. But in his kingdom, it is never about how loud the clang, 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 clang is. It's always about what he loves. It's just that genuine gift that just goes tink, tink. Doesn't make much of a sound, but he knows how much it costs. When a people come together and each of them are like, it's just all I've got. It's really not much. But coming to him and saying, Jesus, we just want to give. It's this kind of giving that he loves and he honors. It's this kind of giving that is part of living a life, a whole life, laying down our lives for the one who we know after this story just a few days later, would lay down his whole life. He would give up his everything. He would give up all of his life for us. And giving is one of the areas in our discipleship journey that I am particularly passionate about. Because when I think about my own story, it has played such a huge part in my own growth in God, I think, uh, particularly after that false start that I mentioned at the top. But it's always been for us, me and Hannah, just an area where we've always been wanting to grow and develop in. And it's impossible for us to know like, what it would have been like if we hadn't. But I just think I'm sure that if we hadn't grown in giving ourselves, we just would not be the people that we are now. We'd be very, very different people. And I also think that giving is just one of those areas where what actual healthy giving looks like and how we can engage in it and how we can grow in it is sometimes a bit of a mystery subject in church. Because our response to it is not always the most public thing. Uh, rightly so, we respond in private. And as we've just been talking about, it's up to all of us to work out what a good gift is because it's highly personal. It depends on our circumstances as to what is sacrificial. And so it always looks different and you can't compare. And yet, before we move on in a moment to fill in our forms, I did think it might just be helpful to lay out in general terms what I think the arc of a good, healthy giving journey over time can look like. Just as a bit of a framework for like, what are we actually talking about here? What can it look like for me? If you have never given before, I would just encourage you, my advice would be, you're right at the beginning of your giving journey, just give something. Just to get over the smallest gift, perhaps. Just to get over that like, psychological barrier of giving to the church that, as I mentioned, I struggled with so much. Just give something, 10 pounds, 5 pounds, the two smallest coins you can find, just to get going in your giving, that will be a big, big step forward. The next step after that, which I think is a really, really important step, is starting to give regularly. 
This is where we go from giving as you know, something that we do occasionally, like as and when it comes up or we see a need and we give towards that, to then some kind of decision of I am going to give my money monthly or weekly. And it's a big step because this is where giving starts to become a habit. This is where giving actually becomes part of our lifestyle of following Jesus, of like, it's just part of what I do. This is probably the biggest step that I made as a student, um, probably the biggest step I made in my whole giving journey, actually, did like a single step. I was pretty terrible with my money as a student, um, and I, I made a decision, nevertheless, of like, I'm going to give £10 a month to the church. And so I set up a standing order on my bank account because I knew I'd forget otherwise, and I was like, I've made a decision, this is my giving, I'm going to do it. So I didn't have to remember it every month. And I didn't have a monthly income at that point. I was living off a student loan. Um, it came in quarterly. But I figured if I was quite happy with an ongoing monthly payment going out of my bank account for Spotify for £10 a month, I could probably also manage it for the church. And if I was more disciplined, I could have tidied up my finances a bit more. I definitely could have given a bit more. But I wasn't, and I didn't, and that's where I was at, and it was a good start for me. Even just a small amount, building this habit of giving regularly is so beneficial. As you do, it just starts to become part of who you are. I give money to the church. That's just something that I do when it becomes a regular part of your life. And so if you have never made a decision to regularly give to the church, even just a small amount, and you're part of the church family here, you want to get involved, I would so love to invite you to make a decision to start giving something monthly to the church. Because not just for now will it be a good thing, but it will start building foundations in your life that will grow your generosity over time. You're kind of doing that, putting in something now that you'll reap the benefit of over the years. Such a good habit to get into. And then from there, you might find, okay, I'm going to stay in that place just for a little bit, like camp out there, just get used to the rhythm of money going out regularly as you're giving. When the next Pledge Sunday comes along or you review your finances for some reason, you might think, okay, I'll maybe increase it just a little bit, you know, just stretch the muscle. I think then as a goal, as you grow and as you go on, a goal to aim for is, a regular, is to regularly be giving roughly 10% of your income that comes in. This is based on the biblical principle of tithing that you may have come across, the idea of like bringing your, your 10% of your harvest or your income as a gift towards God, like a significant proportion. We're not talking chump change here, are we? Like this is a good, good amount of what you've got. You feel it as you guys, goes out. It's like, this is the, I just want to come and give this to God as a gift, as a thanksgiving to him. And again, this is a principle. So it's certainly not a law, certainly not a rule we have to live under. But I, again, I found this really helpful when I started my first full-time job. And I was a, after university, I was a credit risk analyst. I knew you thought I was a very interesting person, but um, it's a very interesting job. I'll talk to you about it afterwards. Only took me a couple of months of having a full-time wage to realize I am going to make some pretty unwise decisions with a full-time salary coming in with my money. And I just knew I needed to do something well with it. I needed to grow in it. And so I jumped online, I knew what I needed to do, I increased that standing order to roughly 10% of what was coming in, and it was, I just knew that's what I needed to do in order to get on top of my finances and to grow as the disciple that I wanted to be then, but also in the future. And then from there, like all of our discipleship, we look to grow in our sacrifice. We look to grow in every area of our lives. We grow in how much we're giving. We're growing in how costly it is for us. And we grow, all factors being equal, of course, 
beyond that 10% mark as God gives us grace. That is a general framework, I think, of what a healthy giving walk looks like. It gets complicated with shift work and other family commitments and family back home, part-time work, all of those sorts of things. So I'm not trying to lay down, this is what we must do. Each of us needs to work out what's right for us. But I think that's just a helpful... I know so many people in this church, their own giving journey would be able to be mapped right onto that. And it is a very typical way in which we can continue to grow in this. Just starting small, then getting regular. Don't do what I did and like try and jump in way further than you can, then just get disillusioned and frustrated. Starting small, growing from there, faithfully going with what you've got is the way that we grow towards this joyful, sacrificial devotion that I think we see from the widow.